For the last few weeks, we've been looking at the words of 2 Peter, this encouragement to followers of Jesus to reflect on how we live our lives. So I'm just curious, show of hands, has the last 11 months at one point or another caused you to think about your life and how you're living it? Yeah, me too. (laughs) In the last 11 months, have you ever felt tired or exhausted or discouraged or things that we don't like to acknowledge or real about humanity? (laughs) Have you ever felt concerned? I could just keep going. This is great. Like, I thought church was supposed to be like a place of joy and good news. Um, (laughs) See, one of the things that I think is an incredible invitation from Jesus is Jesus is actually very interested in your life. Jesus is remarkably concerned with where it is that you are, what it is that you're thinking about. And there's so much in the life of Jesus where we see Jesus move towards people. See, one of the things that I think we often wrongly believe about faith and about church is I've got to get my stuff figured out so that I can bring my best self into the kind of presence of God. That's a lie. Wherever you are, God is interested in you bringing your authentic self into the presence of God and letting God begin to then reveal his work, his power, and his presence that draws you more and more and more into your best self, the one made in the image of God, the one being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And I was thinking about this this morning, we had a team that was praying and I found myself thinking about anybody who's been, like, struggling with faith. Maybe you're exploring faith. If I asked you, if we had a chance to sit down over coffee, and I just said, hey, like, do you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? And you might be like, well, you know, I grew up in church, or you might say no. (laughs) You might not be sure where you are. And if I asked you to kind of consider, like, well, well, in proximity, like, are you near God or are you at great distance from God? If you just think about your own life and kind of your own assessment of whatever your kind of spiritual journey is at this moment, you might just go, actually, I feel like I'm pretty far from God. I want to encourage you before we jump into Scripture, because I think what I'm saying is actually really relevant to this life of Jesus— that we're going to talk about, is that Jesus was always moving very close to people who thought they were very far from God. One of the things I think will serve all of us well is to begin to let go our own assessment of maybe where we're at on our spiritual journey and how close or far from God we are and begin to ask the question, God, how close are you wanting to be to me? God, how near and how close and how much movement is there towards me and what I'm going through? What is it that you might be up to in pursuing me? Because what we see in Scripture is God is pursuing you. God is pursuing us. And we see this again in 2 Peter. There's this invitation to his divine power, and we get to participate in his divine nature. How many of you think life would be easier if you just had a flawless, 
perfect godlike nature? <laughs> sure. What's funny is I ask that question, we all have to face the reality that we are not God, which is a really helpful awareness in our spiritual journey. Look at this next picture. This is what I think we're being invited to. This is the spiritual life. To live wide open under the promises and the power and the presence of God, saying, God, would you wash over me over and over and over again? Would you allow your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your truth to be a, a persistent, saturating force on my life? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life in Jesus Christ as we receive faith, that we get to participate in his divine nature. See, God wants to work through us to make this life and this world have a greater expression of his divine nature. That's good news. That's good news. How many of you think it would be cool if the world had more goodness in it? Yes, that's God's heart. That's the kingdom. Last week we looked at this reality that in this journey of following Jesus that there's faith. And it's a faith that we receive. And to faith we want to add goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And this isn't just like book smarts, like book smarts knowledge where you have the right answers and you can kind of Google your way through a faith journey. But this is knowledge that impacts the activity of our life. In this way, wisdom and discernment come from knowing God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and adopting the character of God. We take the character of God on as our own. When we talk about being a community transformed by the love of Jesus, this is it. That we're being transformed from like our own little life by our own limited power into those who follow Jesus in humility. And we adopt the character of God. The reality of heaven is taking more space up in my heart and my mind and my relationships and who I am. And I'm adopting the character of God so that wherever I go and whatever I do, it looks more like, tastes more like, sounds more like heaven. Here. On earth. This is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done here in me on the earth as it is in heaven. Today we're going to continue forward. And the idea is this that as we connect to the power of God and we begin to learn how to live out the nature of God, we must be a community of humility. Of humility. So we're going to read the second Peter together, and then we're going to jump in and kind of dive a little bit deeper into what does it mean to be a community of humility. Here it is, picking up in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you hear the pursuit? Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Let's read this next part together. 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, let's read this last one together, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, there's so much here. One of the things I was thinking about as I was prepping this week is that when we prep as a teaching team, when we think about the messages that we're going to share, and we think about sharing a sermon on a Sunday morning, we don't want you to leave here and go, man, that was so good. I can wait till next week. Because <laughs> it's not. And it's not intended to be enough to sustain you for an entire week. What it is, is it's hopefully some of us sharing our heart for you so that you can grow in the confidence that you can read Scripture and discover God's heart for you every single day of the week. That you can engage God's Word and begin to go, God, would you show me what it looks like to live this out? This is where we get equipped as a community together. And it just so happens a few of us carry that responsibility to kind of say, hey, journey with us. So I want you to journey with me today. And we're going to focus on verse 6. And to knowledge self-control, the one our culture loves, <laughs> and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to perseverance godliness. See, one of the things that I think about humility being saturated in this text is that we are humble enough to receive from God. We're humble enough to understand our placement in God's kingdom that God would love for us to engage and be a part, but we also recognize it's not all about us, which means we make room for other people. We make room for those around us. And what I see is the transformational work of God, the transforma transformational work of God and his kingdom demand humility in our lives, period period. We must cultivate more and more and more humility in our heart, in our mind, in our relationships, in our work, that we would say, God, all of me is yours. I will be redirected. I will be stretched. I will grow. But what I will know is that it is not all about me, I do not sit on the throne of the universe, and I will become the kind of follower that submits all of my life to you. It demands humility, which is hard. <laughs> I like life to be about me. Can you relate? Pray for my wife. 
See, the progression here is that we have this experiential knowledge of God, that we're adopting the character of God. Consider Jesus, who humbled himself to death on a cross. That's good news. Consider Jesus, who set aside all of his authority in heaven to come and be made a servant, to walk the earth, to reveal the heart of God for you. See, as we get to know God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we adopt the character of God, it will produce humility, which will cultivate self-control. It will cultivate self-control because I'm, I'm aligning my life with God. I'm uniting my life. I'm attaching my life to the heart of God, which means I will not just charge ahead according to me and my purposes. I will regularly check in and go, God, what do you have for me? What about those around me? What's happening in a way that you want to work in my life? Because this journey of following Jesus is not about our willpower creating self-control. It is about his divine power bearing the fruit of self-control in our lives. This is not be a stronger, more fit, self-sustaining Christian. Self-control is the fruit of his divine power, not ours. Think about that just for a minute. We're three and a half weeks into our New Year's resolutions. We might be three weeks done. I just want to let you in. There's some really good research coming out on our brains and how God made us and how it aligns with our spiritual faith and development. Our willpower is incredibly limited. Just put some candy in front of a kid and tell them not to eat it. They will squirm, they will wiggle, they will resist. But we grow weary. We were not intended to live out our lives sustained by our own willpower. We will grow weary and we will give in. Our faith is not supposed to be expressed by our power. It is his divine power at work in us. Self-control is the fruit of knowing God, adopting the character of God, and living out of a humble heart. Saying, today, God, I need to receive from you so that I have self-control. That I have self-control. Dying to self, learning to surrender. Really what it is, self-control is less self. It's learning how to be self-less. Expanding our vision for those around us. Expanding the vision of our lives for something other than just my own home. But I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of God's kingdom. And I think it's interesting that this one lands kind of smack dab in the middle. We have faith. faith to goodness, that I begin to let my heart soften, goodness to knowledge. I get connected to God more and more. I realize I'm walking with God through my life. And the more I learn to hear God's voice and the more I read scripture and align my life with his truth, the more I let prayer be a staple of my kind of daily rhythms where I go, God, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I am lacking self-control. Would you come? But I begin to discover that God wants to work in me as I have relationship with God. If you're struggling with self-control, just go back up. God, I need to get to know you more. 
I want to walk with you more. I need to rely on you more. I need to trust you more. Because what I need is more of your power bearing fruit in my life. Jesus talks about this in John 15. To the church in Galatia, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's there. It's his power, not ours. Okay. I can tell you I've got it. I want to make a point here. In this letter to the church, there's this juxtaposition of the kingdom life and the reality of evil desires and how they corrupt the world. As we become people of God's kingdom, Jesus said, that is why I was sent. I came to proclaim the kingdom of God, that God is king, his rule and reign can have an impact on my life here and now. Then what I begin to see is my life is being lived in the trajectory of God's kingdom, not in my self-absorbed evil desires. Self-control. Self-control. Simply put, not so much about behavior and action, which it does have its, its place there, but that I would control myself not to live outside of God's kingdom, but to regularly step back in, to regularly re-engage, to regularly find my home in God's kingdom. And here's the progression, self-control to perseverance. Anybody ever run a marathon? God bless you. I get to like five miles and I'm like, nope. That was my marathon. I just, something about going more than five miles seems like getting a car, you know? <laughs> Add to self-control perseverance. And what he's talking about here as you read and as we, you know, kind of exploring some commentaries is that this is perseverance and endurance in the spiritual battle. Our entire life could be viewed as a spiritual battle, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. We're right on the front lines. See, as we learn self-control, what we begin to realize is that we control ourselves to really come back to God over and over and over and to live rightly placed in his kingdom as his kids. And so it's this spurring one another on to do not grow weary in your faith. And if you have, we just jump back to the beginning received a faith as precious as ours. We just need to receive faith again. We persevere when we regularly are reminded, God, I need to receive your power and your promises. I need to receive from you. It is your divine power that's giving me everything I need for a godly life. If I'm feeling weary, if I'm feeling uncertain, if I'm feeling alone, that God would say, I want to put perseverance deep in your soul for the sake of my kingdom and for the sake of your life for the sake of your well-being. That it's not about your willpower. It's about being connected to God. It's the vine and the branches. It's that we would allow our lives to connect to God over and over and over. And if we get disconnected, which happens, we have community to encourage us back to say, don't give up. Hang in there. Yes, I will in the lowest valley. Yes, I will when my heart is weary. Yes, I will. The work of God for you and your life is to resource you for endurance in the spiritual battle. This is great. 
This is the good news that Jesus was talking about. Okay, I'm just curious. I'm going to step out on a limb here. If you think life can be challenging or hard, raise your hand or give us a thumbs up online. Okay, so you, in your life, like, we didn't plan this. This, this was not a hoax. This was not a plan. This was not a, a preemptive, I'm trying to, to manipulate the room. You answered, okay? In your heart, what you're telling me is you know that there is, like, a struggle that's real in life. The early church knew that. Jesus knows that. God is very aware. The trajectory of all of Scripture is God is making all things right and new. God is aware that there is a battle, and it is hard. It is challenging. It is difficult persevere. Allow yourself to get your eyes off the circumstances and on the king. On the king. And when it's hard for you to do that, allow the community around you to walk with you and be your eyes when you can't see. Allow scripture to be your eyes when you can't see. Allow prayer to be your eyes when you cannot see. Keep seeking the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Persevere and endure in the spiritual battle. Self-control, perseverance, and godliness. I struggled with this one. I was like, man, are we really supposed to be like, like, really? This is your plan for us? That your divine power has given us everything we need, so we need to be increasing in godliness? Yes. When people see you, do they see godliness? All it means is that there's more for us all the time. I will never get there. I will never be there. God's plan for my life as his followers is that my life looks more and more godly. What, what they're talking about here in the text is the reality of God leads to a life of reverence. That effectively all of our life is becoming about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we reflect the beauty of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God. We believe God is at work with everybody and in all moments of time because God is eternal and we get in on that and we go, today is a day to live godliness. Not by our own strength or by our power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. There is more for you in your faith life. And what I love about this, this is mostly about what we do as the church when we're not gathered as the church. Now, we benefit from it. I need to come in here and experience godly people. I need to see it's possible. I need to know what it's like to be treated with kindness and mercy. I need people who will pray bold prayers over my life, and you do too. We need lots of godliness here. We need even more when we leave here. We need to take it with us. We need to be the kind of people that are declaring the hope of God's kingdom in the way we love and care for one another. And here was the surprise for me. Here was the surprise for me. And thinking about godliness, I thought, man, that feels like a lot of pressure. Can you feel that a little bit? Like, I'm just trying to, like, make it, you know, to bedtime. My kid's bedtime. <laughs> I'm just... I mean, oh, it's like, we got him in bed by 7.30. Parenting tip, if you have young kids, early bedtimes are a gift from God. If you don't have young kids, pray for families with young kids and encourage them that they can make it. 
Sorry, that was, not, that was not even part of the plan. Here's what surprised me this week. Peter's writing here and he says, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. Godliness is love for God and love for people. Think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They live in community. The reason the Trinity is so essential and important is we have a God who is community in and of himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, godliness is loving at its core and character. The Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. And the Holy Spirit is dancing in the middle of it and there is perfect community in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as those who reflect the glory of God and the character of God, we learn to join in that and we love God with a reverent heart. It's like having holy humility at the core of who we are. Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. But the heart of God is love for all of humanity. It says Jesus died for all. It says he's drawing every single person who desires to know God into the family of God, saying if you want it, you're in. We should live with godliness to those around us. It says, I don't care where you have been or what it is that you think is the most true thing about you. What's most true about me is I'm learning how to grow in, in godliness, which means I love you with the love of God's kingdom. Talk about a culturally relevant truth. I need it in my home that I would love the people that I live with where it's often most easy to be rude and obnoxious and to be selfish. That I would learn self-control and we would persevere and we would love each other with godliness. And that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, Like Jesus Jesus calls us into his kingdom, which does not look like the world. It does not reflect the values of the world. It reflects the value of a loving God, working a story of redemption here and now. Each quality is building on the previous and also strengthens our need and desire to loop back and get in on it. They are intertwined. This is not just pick and choose. They go together to form us into the people of God who live by the power of God and participate in the nature of God. Keep reading it. Keep pressing in. Self-control, perseverance, godliness. I think this informs us as we go to work, as we pursue meaningful relationships, as we live with different people, as we pray for people. May we be changed. So I want to leave you with a question. Do you want more? If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, It'll go good for you. God's calling you to more. God's calling me to more. I want to read to you this uh, week some of my own time with Jesus. I'm learning to allow Jesus to love me more, for that to be the truest thing about my life. Peter opens this letter to followers of Jesus and he encourages them and he says, I bless you in the faith that you have received, which is as precious as ours. 
Faith received. Today is a day we need to receive more from God. And I just wrote, receive faith. And then I thought about the the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. See, humility is the ability to receive daily bread. To believe that God has something fresh and new and familiar and persistent and persevering for us every day. Receive faith. Receive daily bread. Humility. And I was thinking about how life is hard in this spiritual battle. And what's interesting is as we look to Jesus, it says he was tempted by Satan. And Satan's encouraging him to get his life anchored to other stuff. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus' life was rooted in Scripture, and he's quoting Scripture in the midst of the spiritual battle. And if you go back and you read Deuteronomy 8.3, God's heart for his people is he humbled you to know what's in your heart. See, humility allows us to bring our heart into God's presence over and over and over again because whatever is there, we believe that it's the power and presence of God to come heal it and restore it and redeem it or to speak blessing and encouragement over us. Humility of my heart makes room for God. Are you making room for God? Are you making room for more of God in your life? 